Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What's up, guys? Back at it again. Brian Scott Rippey. Um, of course, different intro, different bonus podcast. This is not your typical Wednesday Rebel Report. We should have that out for you shortly after this one drops. But this is part two of a couple of the go- golf podcasts we're dropping this week in preparation for the Sanderson Farms Tournament. Super Talks letting me pretend to be a golf writer slash analyst. Pretty sweet gig, not going to lie. But today we have Brayden Thornberry on the on the pod. We talked to him a little bit about life as a professional golfer coming back to, you know, not home-home, but kind of old stomping grounds in Jackson, Mississippi, playing close to home for a PGA Tour event. What's professional golf been like? How he's kind of adjusted to some of the things? What's next for him for the couple months as he kind of goes back to Q school and kind of tries to make the transition to gain footing on both the Corn Ferry Tour and, of course, eventually the PGA Tour? Talked a little bit about pace of play. Talked about whether the Grizzlies are going to – or whether John Morant's going to win Rookie of the Year, whether the Grizzlies are going to exceed their projected win total. Um, Braden's always extremely generous with his time. He's a great dude. I, I really appreciate it. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I, I really enjoy talking. Talking to him as always. He's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to root for this week. <coughs> as you'll hear in a second, he goes off at 8.34, I think on Friday sometime, or Thursday, excuse me, I think sometime around 1 on Friday. So a lot of good stuff in here. I found it really interesting. Um, great dude, has a really bright future in professional golf. So without further ado, here's Braden Thornberry. All right, we now welcome on former NCAA champion, professional golfer, former PGA Tour lead holder, Memphis Grizzly enthusiast. Did I miss anything? Braden Thornberry, what's up, man? Uh, what's up? Thank you guys for having me. No problem. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get this set up. Um, so big week for you. Big week. I appreciate you taking a second out of your day. I uh, So Super Talk basically has me pretending to be a golf analyst and writer this week, which is nice. So other than you know criticizing Brooks Kepka's every move, I think I've got <laughs> this roll down. But... So interesting week for you. I guess we'll start there. So you you play your first your first kind of web tour. I mean, you had conditional status, pretty decent status. What you got in fourteen events? I know. I don't know if you necessarily graded as like this starting another year, just because it's kind of been a year round thing as you've kind of started yeah. professional golf. But just first web season, corn fairy season. How would you grade it? Um, you know, it, it's tough. As far as the way I played, it was very, you know, my good was good, but I definitely wasn't, you know, super happy with my consistency. I, uh, my status actually wasn't very good starting the year, and uh, I got in a couple and kind of reshuffled up. So uh, if I didn't, you know, play as well, well as I did in a couple, I would have probably only gotten in, you know, three or four events. But, uh, you know, I was able to take advantage of a couple opportunities when I did get in and, you know, kind of was able to play the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, I had a couple of top tens. I think I had maybe a fifth and a seventh and, you know, played pretty well, but just, you know, I only made like half my cuts, which just, you know, kind of kills you points wise. So, um, you know, when I was playing well, it was, it was really good and I was in contention, but just, you know, need to work on that consistency a little bit. The fall before you turned pro, you had one more fall college season. And I remember I, 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 we were talking about something. It was for some story I was doing the athletic department, but, you know, I asked like, what, what's professional golf going to be like when it, when it becomes a job and you know the kind of cliched question is how does it change how you look at golf but 
you know, now that you're really a few months in or whatever, has has it being your job changed anything at all? Do you enjoy it more now that it's, it's just golf? What's that been like? Yeah, it's been, you know, still living in Oxford. It's been kind of a direct, you know, change because basically I'm, you know, working out in the same place and, you know, practicing in the same place, but just no school. So that's been, you know, really nice to kind of create my own schedule instead of, you know, having to kind of practice, you know, between classes and between, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but no, it hasn't really been any different as far as a job because I always, you know, tried to hold myself to such a like high standard in college that, you know, I wasn't, you know, leaving anything in the tank then. So, um, pretty much, you know, have the same mindset now and, um, it definitely is a little bit easier, you know, in workouts, it's, it's a little easier to push yourself when, you know, you're there for your own good and not because, you know, you have to be there and, you know, just little mental things like that is, um, I definitely think it's easier to kind of really get motivated because, you know, nobody cares how you do other than yourself. So, uh, it's really, you kind of got to grind and just know that, you know, the more time you put in, the better it'll be. You still get to catch Malloy's humor every now and again, too. I guess, is that a plus or a minus? Oh, I see him way too much. It's, it's definitely a plus. I wouldn't tell him that, but it's definitely a good thing. <laughs> so you mentioned you started the year with you know not not as good a status as you wanted, and you made it through. I guess for people listening out there, varying degrees of golf knowledge, kind of three fourths, whether that's an exact number or whatever, of the kind of web dot com tour qualifying school and got conditional status. You know, you were close to, I believe, the full I, I can't recall off the top of my head how close yeah. how big of a difference would that have made for you? Oh, it's huge. I was you know, I shot sixty two the first round of Q school and was, you know, obviously looking great with, you know, three more rounds to go and uh top forty essentially has full status. You get the first, you know, eight events or so and um so I was, you know, looking pretty good there and you know, shot four under the next three days as well, like total. And, you know, I finished, ended up finishing 70th and top 40 gets it. So it was just, you know, the level of golf is, it was so strong. And, you know, the course was, you know, fairly easy and had a lot of low scores. But yeah, finishing 70th, I really, if I did, let's say I went out there and missed every cut, I probably would have gotten in maybe three events at the most. And I've, I've heard from years in the past, even where I finished in Q school, that would get in no tournament. So, you know, that's kind of, it, you know, a lot comes down to one week in Q school, and, you know, that's why everybody talks about it being, you know, maybe the most pressure in golf because, you know, it really does kind of decide your whole year. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was looking through your results, and, and I was following along throughout the year as well. It, has it been a little bit difficult to get adjusted to kind of the style of golf on the Corn Ferry Tour? And by that, I mean, I'm counting off the top of my head and at least looking at this, at least three times it may have been more where you had three rounds of sub-60 or sub-70 or even sub-68 or better, and only one or two of those you kind of sniffed a top-10, top-15 finish. Yeah. you got a lot of make a lot of birdies on that tour. Has that been difficult to get adjusted to? Because like, even if you're not making a ton of birdies, that doesn't necessarily mean you're playing bad golf. No, it's, it's not that those courses out there are you know, pitching putts by any means. They're, you know, they're not crazy easy it's just that they're not there's not a lot of bogeys to be made out there there's not a lot of crazy rough like on the pga tour there's you know not a there's you know hazards and stuff but just the, the level of golf is is very similar i think to the pga tour and then the courses are a little bit easier so it's it's not necessarily the winning score that's you know 22 under isn't that crazy when you go out there and play great but you know finishing 13 under and finishing like 30 set that's what's you know kind of crazy to wrap your head around when you come out of college because you know you would have been running contention that week so uh you know i've had some people be like you know what's you know what are you why are you struggling with pro golf and you know you were playing so long college it's like i mean i had a you know around a 70 stroke average and you know for 14 events it's not like i was you know going out there and hacking it but 
the level of golf is just you know that much more. I just have to continue to get better, and you know I have full confidence that I'll get there you know very soon. But it's definitely an adjustment period. You know, going out there and playing with you know I mean professional athletes, they're they're good at what they do. It's it's not someone that's you know going to class and you know practicing half their time. That's that's their full time job, and that's how they you know support their family. So. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a joke going around there. You have to, you know, play some good golf and earn everything that you get. Yesterday, I had Will Bardwell on, who blogs um, kind of about golf in Jackson. He's a Jackson-based attorney, and he had talked to mm-hmm. Robbie Shelton about kind of how he got to where he was. And he mentioned Robbie described it, I think, as being like lost in the wilderness, which he didn't necessarily really mean lost. Just kind of mulling around between the McKenzie Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. Kind of point, overall point was. With the way they restructured Q School a while back, you know, it's kind of harder to get immediate immediate status on the PGA Tour. And I know you obviously came out after that happened, so you don't necessarily know the old way. But yeah. you mentioned hearing about guys like you know what would where you finished, what would have that been in your past, years past? Can you kind of sense guys still trying to get adjusted to this new format of how you get onto the PGA Tour and kind of the new path? Yeah, so I used to, you basically, if you had a great week at Q School, you were on the PJ Tour, which right. I don't think, which sounds good, obviously, from a player's perspective, but I really don't think that's the best way. Because, you know, in the past, basically, I, I could be a little off here, so don't, don't quote me exactly, but, you know, top, you know, top certain number got PJ Tour cards, and then after that, you know, it was, you know, Web or Corn Ferry. Right. Cards. So, you know, now it's, it's only Corn Ferry Q School, and basically, the textbook way the PJ Tour designs it to get there would be, you know, go to Q School, get on the Corn Ferry Tour, finish top 25, then you're on the PJ Tour the next year. So overall, I think it's, you know, as a player, it, it sucks that it, you know, does take a year longer. But I think it's a lot better because you don't get any people that, you know, kind of have the Cinderella story and go out there and play amazing and they're on the PJ Tour. There's no, there's no faking it anymore. You have to go out there and, you know, play well at Q School, earn your status, go out there and play, you know, 20 events on the Corn Ferry Tour and, you know, be one of the best out there all year. So um, I think that's what they were kind of trying to avoid was, you know, get some guys that, you know, some good players wouldn't have a great week and some not-so-good players would have, you know, their best week ever, and that would kind of decide that who's on the PJ Tour and not, and that's not really what it should come down to. That's a really interesting way to look at it, and you hit on this earlier, but I think a lot of casual golf fans don't necessarily realize, like, the, the Corn Ferry Tour, whether you want to call it AAA minor league circuit, is the talent level is just stupid. And Yeah, I mean, I was looking this week. I mean, guys that I've seen out there this year, at least in, at some point, I mean, there's probably 50 guys that were, well, I guess more with, with the finals, too, and probably around 50 out of this 156 field were, were out on the Corn Ferry in, in some way last year, whether they were, you know, members or they were going out and doing, like, rehab starts or, you know, not in the PJ Tour event that week. So, I mean, it's it's basically the same kind of guys. It's not you know just you know hacks out there and then just amazing golfers out here. It's it's very similar. Not that you need a reason to believe that it'll happen for you because again you're only a few months into your pro career. But you you beat Neiman in the USAM, and then he turns pro probably roughly a year ahead of you. That's probably not exactly right. But yeah. you know now he wins top fifty player in the world. Just to seeing something like that, like could, is that I guess give you optimism, confidence, whatever you want to call it, that it can change that quickly. Yeah, a lot of people will look at that, I feel like, as, like, a negative with being, like, oh, like, are you jealous of that kind of thing? Like, not at all. Like, I've you know, with Colin, like, Wolf, all those guys, I've been, and Victor, you know, I'm good friends with all those guys, and, you know, we were playing at a very similar level in college, and it's not like you turn pro and your golf game's just changed. So that gives me a lot of confidence to know that, you know, when I play well, I'll be right there contending in, you know, PJ Tour events, Corn Ferry Tour events, or, or whatever. Obviously, those guys have had, you know, a lot of success early, 
and I'm glad for them because I mean that's awesome. I, you know, I wish I was doing that right now, but it definitely you know gives me confidence that you know when my time comes, I'm I'm definitely ready. It's not that I have to you know make any overhaul changes to you know get what they've been doing. For as best you can tell, just for people listening, what is kind of your you know it was always interesting to me because you had such a decorated college career you had a few opportunities that your average guy going pro wouldn't have because people wanted to see you play you know it it, is best you can describe what is your schedule like over the next couple months as far as you know um for the most part obviously i'm writing you know some pga tour events for potential spots but you know i'm not uh it'd be awesome to get some but i'm not really you know banking on that at this point because they're you know there's such a they're so up in the air they can they can, sometimes you'll get one that you don't expect at all, and then sometimes you think you're, you're looking really good and you don't get it. So, um, But I'm basing my whole, my whole fall really around Q School. I'm doing um, all three stages in Florida, so kind of you know, good Bermuda greens and try to pick you know, some of the harder courses, which I think is, is best for Q School because it, it kind of does what we were talking about. It, it shows what you know, the good players are, are going to rise to the top over a four-round tournament on a, on a good golf course. So that's kind of... My, I'm basing my schedule around that and then kind of whatever I can fit around that, whether it's, you know, a PJ Tour event or even, you know, I was looking at potentially going down and playing a Latin Tour event in Peru because I had, you know, a couple weeks that I wasn't doing anything. So it's really up in the air right now, depending on, you know, how the how some of those exemptions go. And then, but, you know, overall, but Q School is the main focus and, you know, being on the Corn Ferry Tour next year and finishing top 25, that's, that's my overall goal. As you transition into this week, you know, it's a course you're familiar with. You don't. You're not obviously at all short on experience on playing on the PGA Tour. I mean, you had the the Memphis tournament a couple years ago, played in it twice. You know, played in what four or five events at this point. Now that you're a professional, though, you, what is does your mindset at all change going into a tour event like this? Um, no, not really. I mean, obviously, if I got there and played really well, it you know it'd be nice. You know, have a little extra money in the in the bank, and you know the points that. You know, kind of how Victor and, and Colin, all those guys, where you can go out and earn, you know, non-member points and, you know, qualify for Corn Ferry Tour Finals or qualify to be a, you know, special temporary membership, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you know, having one event, you have to really not think of any of that and then just, you know, go out there and play. Because if you go out there and win or go out there and finish fifth, that's it's going to take care of itself. So uh, just trying to go out there and basically treat it like any other tournament. And, you know, it'll be nice having, you know, some Ole Miss fans and I'm sure some people up from Memphis will make the trip down. So, uh, it'll definitely be cool and, you know, always like the environment that we had up in, you know, at the St. Jude Classic with, you know, how it's a, a big crowd and, you know, a lot of support. So hopefully we'll have that this week too. CCJ, I grew up in Jackson. And I played that course a, a decent bit growing up. That's kind of the one I grew up on. It's interesting to me because there's not – I mean, there's literally – there's not any out-of-bounds, at least for pros on the whole course. There's really only one on 10, and that's if I hosel rocket one to the left. You know, it's not overly bunkered. There's not a ton of water. The course's really main defense is the greens and kind of the punctuated shelves on them. What are your impressions of the course? Do you think it fits you? Because it's interesting. You know, Cameron Champ wins last year bombing it, but Ryan Armour won in 17 as one of the shorter hitters on tour. It seems like it suits a lot of different types of games. Yeah, I think it comes down to, I mean, the fairways are really tight and the rough's pretty thick. It's not that you can, you know, you can hit it 30 yards right and left and play and, you know, even play well because there's, you know, there's not a lot of trouble, like you said. But uh, I think it probably comes down to guys that can scramble it well when they do miss the fairway because, you know, a guy like Cameron, it helps because, you know, when he does miss, when he's hitting driver great, he's hitting it really straight and obviously wedges are a lot easier than, you know, eight irons. But even more than that, when he misses the fairway, you know, he has a, 
you know, a hundred yard shot instead of one fifty like the rest of the field, which you know that really helps out of the rough. So I think that you know his game kind of translates well a lot of places. And you know, Ryan Armour, I I don't know him you know really well. I, I met him the other day, but I assume he hits it really straight, and that's always going to be good when you know the greens get firm and fast, like you said. You know, coming out of the fairway is just a must if you're you know 180 yards out. You have to be able to hit that you know seven iron or six iron with you know some spin and and nip it pretty good. So. But no, I don't. I don't necessarily think this course fits a certain type of player. I think you know any type of player that goes out there and plays well, you're going to do good here. Which that's not necessarily the case, you know, at, at different courses. You mentioned. I mean, you've traveled all over the country. In some cases, other countries going to play golf in this last couple months. You've been you racked up a lot of frequent flyer mileage, I would imagine. <laughs> but being back home and kind of, I mean, I, I remember watching you the two years in Memphis, and you know. You'd have a huge crowd following you, and you know you'd get a hotty toddy every shot you hit, depending on how many beers the guy behind you had. had. Yeah. Is it going to be nice, kind of having that that sort of environment again? Because obviously now you're a pro, you don't really get that every week. Yeah, it'll be really cool. You know, in the Corn Ferry, there was a lot of weeks where you know it was, you know, me, the two other players, and the three caddies, and you know maybe my girlfriend, and and that was about it. Like there was not much clapping going on. You could you know make a thirty footer, and it was just you know a good putt from the other guys. So. Uh, it's, it's a lot different environment, but I, I think I, I kind of thrive off, you know, having the having the support there and kind of putting on a little show for the crowd. I think it's it's that's, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it's hard to describe, you know, really the feeling. But it, it definitely makes you kind of lock in a little more and and really concentrate. You growing up, obviously Memphis area native, but if I recall right, you played some junior stuff on the Mississippi circuit at least at some mm-hmm. point. You know, with I've been kind of yelling this into the abyss for the last half decade, but Mississippi Junior Golf, I mean, it kind of came to the forefront this year at the USAM with, you know, Trollio playing as well as he did, and of course, Ogletree winning it, and then you have Wilson Furr and Davis Riley, who's playing alongside you this week in this tournament. How have you seen Mississippi Golf grow and evolve? Because it's become incredibly strong, but I'd kind of argue it's been that way for the last six, seven years at least. Yeah, I think that, you know, my class with, uh, I think Andy Ogletree was also in our class, but me, him, and Davis Riley, I mean, that was about as strong as a class as you're going to have, you know, coming out of a state, and, you know, maybe California and Florida could be a little different, but, you know, from a normal state, that's about as, as strong as a class as you can have, and um, I think Mississippi Golf is definitely going in the right direction. I think it was, you know, pretty weak back in the day, and I've seen a lot of tweets, you know, lately, like you said, Trollio, and you know, some of those young kids that are coming up and I think it just comes down to there's more tournaments there's more like even when I was growing up there was that was kind of I feel like when the tournaments were really getting you know better in Mississippi because when I was younger there was a lot more stuff really in Memphis than there was in the whole Mississippi area so um or yeah Mississippi region so I think that that's definitely what it comes down to is just having more opportunities to play against you know other people instead of just you know hanging out with your friends and messing around. Have you switched to the tour staff bag yet? I feel like that's almost like the blue check mark on Twitter. It's like now you're really a pro golfer when you have that gigantic bag that no one knows what all the stuff goes inside there. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had the bag all year, so it's been good. I actually just got a new one yesterday. They came out with a Titleist came out with the jet black the jet black bag, so it looks it looks pretty sharp. So I'm excited to use it this week. That's pretty awesome. So as far as I remember, you, we had you on the radio show when you first decided to go pro, and it may have been after Q school. I don't remember, but. I think Richard was asking you a couple questions about how you went about accepting sponsorship stuff and whether it's equipment or clubs and all that. How did you settle on that? Are you tied to us head to toe? What has that been like? 
Yeah, so I signed with Titleist and Footjoy, and IMG manages me. So, uh, yeah, basically it really came down to that I played mostly Titleist stuff, and I had, you know, good connections with those guys throughout the, you know, the college, and, you know, they supported our team at Ole Miss and, and that kind of thing. And it was pretty much a no-brainer for me to, you know, basically keep the same bag set up. And, you know, basically all I changed was, you know, I wear Footjoy head to toe, and I've liked those, those guys have been great to me. And, um you know, two awesome companies to work with. So I, I wouldn't change anything. You mentioned uh, when we were talking about the home environment, and you know, some weeks where you're playing and you're probably a long way from home and it's just you and the, the other caddies and other players. Has it been difficult? Like, is it sometimes hard to kind of keep, not keep focused, but is life on the road has been kind of as big of a grind as you thought? Because I imagine, you know, week after week after week, that can be a little bit difficult just going from city to city and all that. How have you managed that? Has that been difficult at all? Yeah, like like you said earlier, I played I think maybe three or four of the first like thirteen events of the year, or first fourteen events of the year, and then I played the last ten events in a row. So I mean, from I think it was like May twenty eighth through like early August, I didn't come back home, and it was just straight like next week to the next week to the next week. And it's tough because you have to find kind of a balance, which you know, kind of the routine that I had going was you know finish up on Sunday fly Monday morning and just completely take Monday off and, you know, completely rest and get back into it Tuesday. But, you know, 10 weeks in a row is a lot. It was, you know, the entire summer that, you know, I think I maybe came home once. I might have missed a cut and came home once for a day or so. But, um, yeah, it's tough. You have to, you know, in college, even if you play a lot, you're playing maybe, you know, six times a semester, which is, you know, six times over maybe three and a half months or something, which is just isn't even close to, you know, that level of golf. But, uh, definitely getting more used to it, and it, it's something that you know. Once I'm on the PGA Tour, you you'll never have to play ten in a row. Like you'll probably never play more than you know four or five in a row. So, but uh, you know, on the Corn Ferry, the goal is to, you know to get to the PGA Tour. So you kind of have to do everything you can to to make that happen. When you play this week, obviously you're you're probably focused on just kind of getting to the weekend and putting a couple ra- good rounds together first and foremost. But, you know, I mean, you, you're probably never teed up a tournament in your life that you didn't think you could win. Do you allow your mind to venture that far when you're playing a tour event? Um, I mean, it's tough. I've kind of, you know, gone back and forth on, on what mindset to have with that kind of thing, which it's tough. You want to go out there and, you know, I, I fully I agree with you. I've never really played a term. I didn't think that if, you know, I played my best that I couldn't win. But, you know, it's it's tough to – you want to take one shot at a time, but then also have, you know, the confidence to know you can go out there and play well. So it's, it's kind of a – it's an interesting balance. But uh, I'm just going to try to go out there and, you know, put four good rounds together and kind of see where that puts me. I think that, you know, on these Bermuda greens that I've, you know, played before and, you know, having the support of the crowd, I think I have as good of a chance as anybody. So just got to go out there and put it together. When you – one of the last things I got for you, when you – I remember – you mentioned as you were kind of preparing to make the leap from amateur to professional golf, and you had played some of the tour events and some other, I think maybe a Corn Ferry event or two. You mentioned you had talked to Ollie Snyderjans and some other guys that kind of not help guide you, but like if you had a question about something that maybe you wouldn't encounter in amateur golf, they were helpful with that. Has there been more of that? Have you found anyone else? Is that have you kind of bounced ideas off them still as you've kind of made this transition? Um, not so much of that. Probably more of you know, having my friends, like, on the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, I was good friends with, like, John Oda and, and Doug Gim and, you know, maybe three or four other guys that we were kind of figuring it out together. You know, it was kind of our first year out there and um, kind of a trial and error kind of thing with, you know, none of us knew where any of the restaurants were. None of us knew where even the golf course was when you land at the airport. So uh, it's definitely nice to have, you know, some other guys that are in the same boat as you to, 
you know, kind of figure stuff out and you don't, you know, you don't feel dumb asking questions when, you know, it's your first year out there and there's a lot of other guys in your shoes. So uh, I think that's probably been, you know, the biggest help with, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour, there's not a, a whole lot of, you know, necessarily veterans out there. So um, I think that's probably the best thing is, have, you know, have a good group of friends and, you know, a couple that are maybe their second or third year, which can really help, help guide you. You, I remember when when you when you won that national title, and then kind of that things really just kind of blew up for you at that point. A, a lot of people, and like I'm guilty of this as well because I think I wrote about it. I talked about your pace of play, and you know, you're a guy that didn't. You're very deliberate. You don't waste a lot of time. You get up there, you kind of t- vision your shot, get up there and hit it. And like I remember talking to you at the time, you were kind of like, I never really thought this was a big deal. This is just how I play golf. But yeah. with that kind of being the hot buzz topic on tour these days with kind of guys quarreling with each other about some of it, now that you're playing professional golf, have you noticed kind of how quickly you play? Is that Have you noticed that more at all? Yeah, I definitely have. I think pros in general play slower than, you know, in college. I think just because, like people have said, there's no negative, really. Like, you don't really ever see a guy get penalized. You don't really ever see anything like that happen, which I don't really know what the answer is. To all that stuff because you know there's times that I take two minutes to hit a shot like there's there's certain shots that take longer it's not you know I would say average you know you have 40 seconds I'm probably hitting it in 20 so it's, it's not like you know I'm anywhere close to it overall but you know some shots take longer so it's tough for me to like to say that you know if you're ever over a minute then you get a penalty or ever over like because that's tough because I've even had groups where you know we were on the clock and obviously I'm not a slow player and there'll be a certain person that is but you know, all of a sudden I have a, you know, a tricky bunker shot that I want to take a couple looks at and I don't really have that chance because I feel like, you know, maybe I'll get penalized even though, you know, it's not my fault that we're behind. So there's just not a, really a good way to fix it because it, it kind of brings everybody into the mix. And, um, but it, it's definitely an issue. I don't know if it's as big of an issue as everyone talks about because, you know, ultimately we're here to play golf and, you know, I don't really have anything else to do. So if it takes, you know, 520 or 430, it doesn't really make a huge difference to me, but, um, well, I, I really don't think there's a great way to fix it. I've talked to a lot of people of kind of about that issue, and it's just it's such a kind of there's just not a clean cut thing because you know some fast players can can take a while in certain shots, and you know those players should never get penalized in my opinion. So that's really all I got on that. Eight thirty four on Thursday, I believe. Do you know your Friday tee time as well? Uh, it was one something. It was later in the day for sure. Is do you prefer it either one way? Like, do you? I, I know you usually get after, obviously afternoon, then morning, or morning afternoon. Is there one yeah. you prefer? Um, when it's hot like this, it probably is good to play morning and then afternoon just to give you a little more a more break. But if it's, I mean, I'm pretty much fifty fifty. I probably would prefer afternoon morning if it wasn't really hot. Just kind of you know play thirty six holes in a, a little bit shorter window. But you know this week being in the nineties and probably pretty much no wind based on the last couple of days it's probably better to you know get out there early and have a little rest and maybe get a workout in and and then go back at it the next day a little later is john morant winning rookie of the year i hope so <laughs> <laughs> that's all I, I don't really know what to expect from it i think him and you know jaron jackson they should be a pretty good team so um i'm hoping for big things from the grizzlies i saw that you know the over under is like 28 and a half wins i, I think that's kind of disrespectful so <laughs> I think it'll be fun to watch over the next couple of years. Braden, I really appreciate your time. I will definitely be keeping up down there this week. Um, I know a lot of people will as well, but I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed this, and, and best of luck to you this week, man. Awesome, Brian. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And that was Braden Thornberry. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, Braden, great dude. 
bright future ahead. I am uh, I'm looking forward to see what he does not only this week but just continuing to follow his professional career. He's given me a ton of excuses to pretend to be a golf writer throughout. I was in college most of the time when he was in college, so anytime I had an excuse to write about golf was awesome, which was a lot whenever he was winning tournaments and such. So really appreciative of that, among other things. Great guy. I am looking forward to watching him this week. Reminder, Super Talk Mississippi will be, or excuse me, Sports Talk Mississippi and Super Talk Mississippi will be at the Sanderson Farms Wednesday through Friday. We'll be there doing the radio show 3 to 6. Come say hello, yell at me, whatever you prefer. Um, but yeah, we'll be there all week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to watching Braden and some of the other Mississippi guys in the field this week. And hopefully get a good four days of golf in. So I hope you guys have enjoyed these podcasts as much as I have been doing them. So um, for now, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We'll have the normal Rebel Report up as well today. If you're looking for some old Miss Cal action, got a Cal rider on, going to kind of preview that game. But again, this was our golf podcast edition, kind of previewing the Sanderson Farms, whatever you want to call it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.